28th, fall fishing is upon us. We're celebrating that here on the Carolina Outdoors. But what does fall fishing mean in the mountains? And plus, we just had a storm that rolled through western North Carolina as well as the Piedmont here. What does that mean for the stockings that we all look forward to each fall as the state starts putting browns, rainbows, and brook trout all in to many of the western rivers for us to get out there as anglers and enjoy. Welcome, everyone, to the Carolina Outdoors. Bill Barty here on the left side. And Wes Lawson on the other side. Bill, it's going to be a stampede out there once those fish get stocked. I know it, and we have somebody who may know how the fish were raised, certainly, and the research behind it. But maybe as an angler himself, he can tell us where the big fish may be going. So for those that are listening to the Carolina Outdoors or the podcast highlights of the Carolina Outdoors or over at jessebrowns.com, you will know first where to go. So with no delay, let's bring on, he's with the Inland Fisheries Division of NC Wildlife Resource Commission. He's Jake Rash. Coldwater Research Coordinator. Welcome to the Carolina Outdoors. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Always a pleasure. Well, Jake, we know many times for a cold water fella, summertime can be challenging, but we have worked our way through those warm air temperatures, and now we're looking forward to the uh, cooler fall temperatures and what that means for the water temperatures. How are we looking this early into the beginnings of delayed harvest? I think we're looking pretty pretty well. Um, this year we've we've seen uh, quite a bit of rain flow and uh, falling down, and our flows being being consistent, and we're getting into those uh, cooler nights. And and you know, as you noted, starting to see you know the signs of, of fall all the way uh, around us. And and as you noted that. You know that that means a lot to a lot of people, but for folks like us that are that are into to chasing trout around, that that signifies a, a a time for us to get back on on the streams and and try to find one or two uh, around the western part of the state. Yeah. So we were talking off air a little while ago that um, it's only been a year or two since Hurricane Fred or Tropical Storm Fred washed out the Brevard area and really affected our or in this case, sort of your ability to uh, get more stocked fish out. We've talked in previous shows about how it changed the the, the riverbed in a lot of places or even the course mm-hmm. of the river flow. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, there was a little bit of a hiccup because of that, with what fish were stocked and the quantities. Has there been recovery there? Are there going to be more fish putting out, being put out? What's the ratio going to be like? All those kind of fun details. Yeah, um, anglers shouldn't notice uh, shouldn't notice a difference. And, and last year, even you know dealing with those catastrophic uh, losses at our Setzer State Fish Hatchery, um, it's just you know it's just unbelievable uh, for me to see you know the, the dedication and the passion and the hard work that you know those folks have and their commitment to to, to raising those those fish and, and getting them out. For for the public um, to to enjoy and, and so with with that you know baked into <laughs> to to their to their focus and effort they they were able to overcome those losses and so folks probably saw different species ratios um, coming out last last fall 
um, and, and we didn't have our big fish component as we did traditionally, but uh, we should be trending back to normal. And so fish going out this fall and delayed, this fall and delayed harvest, you're, you should see your average 10 and a half inch fish and, and 4% of those fish should, should be over 14 inches. So it, it should be an awesome fall for, for folks to, to get out on those delayed harvest waters. And, and I just can't thank the, the hatchery, hatchery folks enough for, for, for the great work that they do. Hey, Jake, with that being said, you talked about species ratio. Will you talk a little bit about the difference, the different attributes that each species, whether it be a rainbow, brown, brook, what the different uh, their attributes are? Like, for instance, I guess brook trout are known for, for, I mean, moving. They'll stay in one place just for a bit, and then they are on the move. How do uh, rainbows or brown trout react differently to brook trout? Yeah, um, so we'll we'll keep it focused on stockfish and and okay. not um, it, it's probably a different conversation with the with the the wild fish and in general you know with brook trout being our only native native trout and and sort of their life history is just just really cool. But in terms of the the stockfish, um, what you what we do is we stock at a ratio of forty uh, percent rainbow trout 40 percent brook trout and 20 percent brown trout and that's 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 our target and it's been that way for 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 a long long while now and uh what typically happens uh those brook trout are usually the most eager um once they go in and and also then it you know kind of goes to the rainbow trout and then to the to the brown trout or a little bit little bit more challenging of course there's less of them but that's sort of how how it goes in in general and 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 that's those are our ratios and 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 you mentioned the the movement piece we've done some work trying to understand okay we put these fish in these systems uh how long do they stay there what where are they going what are they doing and and uh it's it's interesting to see that that these fish uh, tend to move after these high flow events, and and uh, brook trout are, are seemingly the ones that, that are moving the most uh, among the three species. And brook trout really are so pretty to look at. Those colors really are just fantastic, and I guess because, you know, they are more typically native here, they've been here for time immemorial, we get to see more of their colors. Sometimes those rainbows and browns, it does take that colder weather to really get those colors out. But if the brook trout going in are you're saying about ten and a half or so inches, how much do that do they grow? Whether it's a brook trout or a rainbow, assuming they make it through the season over the course of let's just say the cold weather period, four, five, six months, what kind of growth do we see on a per fish basis? Well, in in our hatchery supported and delayed harvest waters where we're putting putting fish in. Uh, that are, you know, either, you know, that that we're putting those in, and we're not really expecting them to grow. Yeah. Um, we're stocking them in conditions that are that are really high, so they they can actually go long periods of time, um, and without maybe eating as effectively as sure, surely as they do in the in the hatchery, um, and still be really really nice healthy healthy fish, and so we don't see a lot of growth there. But we do have places where we stock fish, um, where we we are 
anticipating growth and places like the Bridgewater Tail Race below Lake James or Lake Appalachia, which is, you know, way out. <laughs> it's, you know, it's three, three plus hours west of Asheville. So you, you, you go as far as you can go and then go some more, but that's, mm-hmm. that's the place and, and types of projects where, where we are putting fish and the fisheries term, those are put, grow, and then take fisheries. Whereas our our, our other our other resources, we're we're not really anticipating a lot of growth, and, and so that's 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 kind of the way we look at it. Gotcha. Now, could you elaborate in in layman's terms the difference between you know the different styles of streams we have or sections where we have delayed harvest and what that really entails and why we're excited about that hatchery supported versus yeah. wild? Because you know a lot of people are a little bit confused about that, or also they'll say, you know, how do I know? How do I know what section I'm in? They want to they want to play yeah, by the ab- rules, but how do we know? Yeah, absolutely. And sorry for for I'm just getting excited to, to answer this question. <laughs> hey, and that's why you're on here too. We love that excitement. We just uh, we want to make sure no. that we know what what streams you're working on and and how you're working on them. Okay. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, um, I, I, you know, I always tell people, you know, the best rule of thumb, thumb is to know before you go, and that can be easier said than done. But we we really try to make it easy for folks by having our our trout page, which is ncwildlife.org/trout, and on there you'll find the regulation types, which explain what they are. And so in the in the case of, of delayed harvest trout waters, those are really unique places that we're stocking fish for part of the year. And and in that same part of the year, which is which is the fall, um, starting here in October, um, it's catch and release. And then as you get into June, as those waters warm and uh, we those fish um or you know the habitat starts to degrade and there's opportunities to, to harvest those fish. Then it switches over that first Saturday in June. You, you're actually able to, to keep fish. And in that sense, um, they function uh, kind of similarly to our hatchery-supported waters, which, you know, you always hear about Oatman Day. That's that first Saturday in April where that group of waters, it's you can, you can catch and keep those fish as soon as the season's open. So delayed harvest you is just that you're you're pausing the harvest and it's catch and release half the year and those are signs are are black and and white and the hatchery supported are green and white signs when that season's in it's it's harvest 11 months out of the year and and those different regulatory types um admittedly can be confusing for folks and so that's why we urge them to take a look at the regs digest take a look at our website ncwildlife.org slash trout, where you can take your time, uh, cruise through those regulations, learn more about them, and you can even find interactive maps that that can give you driving directions to these various regulatory types. And, and so that's honestly the best way to go, and, and you want to know before you get to the stream. You don't want to show up and try to figure it out when you're when you're getting there for the first time. So do your homework before you head out. That's right. Jake Rash is on the program, Coldwater Research Coordinator. He's with the Inland Fisheries Division of NC Wildlife Resources 
Commission. And, Jake, with that being said, I guess delayed harvest, just to add this little bit in. And, and Wes and I are both available. For any of our listeners out there who may have a question, we can help you get pointed in the right direction. Are, are the fish stockings, are, are the fish the same, whether it be hatchery supported or this delayed harvest subset? Are all those fish coming from the same uh, different uh, hatcheries, so to speak? They are the same. Uh, the only thing that might change are the, the densities or the number that we're putting, uh, which we'll, we'll, we'll regulate that by, by water body. But, um, yeah, the fish themselves are, are all the same, and they're all part of that larger hatchery system and hatchery, hatchery program, which, which, again, I mean, you can – you can kind of think of it like a Rubik's cube where there's all these, these interlocking pieces and they're planning years in, in advance and, and, and aligning those up to, to make sure that the, the fish are going out when they need to. And, and uh, again, I, I, I can't say enough for the work that, that all those dedicated folks do to make, make that happen for, yeah. for anglers like us. Yeah, you're using some re- really good hatcheries uh, across the state, the th- I guess three different hatcheries that you're using to stock uh, these fish in we- in western North Carolina. Of course, wild trout waters not stocked at all. Those are what it sounds like. Those are wild trout uh, without any invasive stock st- trout coming in and just for our listeners for clarification that delayed harvest program that jake just mentioned began in the early 1990s i think we're up to uh, the low 30s of streams and lakes that participate all cold water uh to a degree once october 1st gets here which is one reason we're talking about it because uh catch and release is in uh, effect on the delayed harvest waters october 1st through the first saturday in june you cannot keep any of those fish you must catch them and put them back and then june the harvest begins jake with all of that being said are any of these fish that are being stocked are they able to reproduce or are these fish sterile just for our enjoyment and then they go away once they're harvested yeah, we, I, I appreciate that question. Um, we we are really committed to the to the to the conservation of our of our of our wild stocks and particularly our native brook trout populations. And so, with with that said, uh, the fish that we stock are in fact sterile, and and that's done through a, a hatchery a hatchery process and. And the reason we we do that, well, number one, we do not stock on top of wild brook trout populations. Um, mm-hmm. Period. That's just the, uh, uh, the one of our one of our uh, procedures. But but also, in case fish inadvertently got moved or or somehow uh, entered enter those waters, we 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 maintain them as as sterile, so they've got a punctuated life cycle. And and again, kind of back to that previous question, we're not anywhere that we're stocking, uh, we're stocking because we have to. And so we're not really anticipating uh, them carrying over or even in the places that we do, like Bridgewater Tail Race or Lake Appalachia that I noted, we're, we're going to have to continue the stock to maintain a fishery that, that people are, are interested in, in having. So it's part of the process, and it's, and it's one of those things where we're not stocking to supplement 
wild populations or anything like that. We're we're stocking, we're stocking because we've got to do it to manage that resource. And so we use those sterile fish to do that. And uh, it's a it's a pretty cool process and has been really effective for us now for for several years. It helped a lot of people enjoy our our streams and creeks. So, Jake, I know this is the busy time of year for you, so I've got just one or two more questions before we let you get back out there. How far can these fish travel? There's a, There seems Ooh. to be a lot of um, debate about just how far in a given period of time a brook or a brown or a rainbow can actually move. What's that kind of hard is there a hard and fast rule for that that says you know it's six miles it's eight miles it's a quarter mile what's what's their their distance stamina uh there's no hard and fast rule and it's it's individual you know dependent um and you know going back to that that study we did a couple years ago with uh nc state university looking at the persistence and movement of those stock trout in delayed harvest waters you know, it, it, there's individuals that moved, you know, over 20 miles, and and there's some that didn't move that far, but but in you know the the movement patterns, you know, sort of were tied to to those flow events uh, where the fish were kind of just hanging out, and then you get you get some uh, some rain and high water, and they sort of ride that that downstream a little bit. So uh, it. You know, this isn't a great answer, but uh, truthfully, it just depends. Well, I think mean, that's good. You know, we sometimes don't think about fish or other wildlife as being individuals, and so knowing that some of you know that each area or each fish is affected by nature in different ways. So I'm not going to ask you where the big fish are, <laughs> but I am going to ask you this. Ooh. So if you had your four-weight fly fly rod out coming up. Where would you go fishing? Ooh, well, Jake, where's Jake good, Rash going to go fishing? Yeah, this is going to be fun here. You're getting, these these are getting, mm. there's there's oh. more cleverness woven into to this this question each each go around. So <laughs> He'd I, rather I, us I, ask I, him what color his boxers are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, like what, what's my favorite dessert? Yeah. Yeah, all of them. It's know? Rocky so, Road. We know um, it's Rocky Road with a little bit of extra chocolate syrup. We, we, yeah, I got it. Or how about this? Uh, well, how about this? So not to put you in the spot and in, in the hot seat, is there a stream that's more up and coming, which is not to say that's where all the brown trout uh, are, but, you know, like once upon uh, a time the Davidson River was, was like a flagship stream. It's still a great place to fish. I love fishing there, but... Are there places that aren't seeing the love that they deserve, not so that we can overpressure that area, but maybe relieve some pressure elsewhere? What it was, what's a stream or two that you said, man, people need to hit this spot more often? Yeah, and, and I think um, that that's also that's also a great a great question. But I, I I think one of the things that we really take take pride in are trying to manage these. These resources, and but we'll we'll stick with delayed harvest with a with a level of consistency that if you show up to fish, you should have a pretty good expectation of what you're of what you're you're getting into. And so, with with that said, there's a lot of variation in all the waters just because of the different locations sure. and habitats and 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 that sort of thing. Uh, so, you know, I, I what I would tell someone is to 
So think about where you want to go. If there's a part of the mountains that you've not been to, if you want to get out west, um, like way west of Asheville, or if you want to get in the northeast up in the high country area or, you know, or around Marion, um, there's there's multiple opportunities. And, and wherever you end up wanting to go, it's worth exploring and, and checking out. You know, of course, the last couple of years, you know, a lot of folks have been flocking to the outdoors, and and and, and all of these delayed harvests have have received a lot of angling attention. So it's hard to point to one that 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 isn't getting uh, getting that attention. But I, I would answer that truthfully by saying, um, think about your trip, think about your experience, and and where you might want to go, and take a look at a water that's that's nearby and uh you know ncwildlife.org slash trout there'll be the map there'll be the stocking information so you can plan your trip around those stocking events if if you would like and you you should have a good time well said jake rash you wiggled your way out of that question one more time but hey we're going to get you next time so don't you worry West Austin, I, I appreciate the effort. <laughs> <laughs> Man, we appreciate your time with us here on the Carolina Outdoors, and thank you uh, for the work that you do um, on the behalf of us sporting anglers in North Carolina and people coming in from other states as well. We appreciate you being on with us uh, each time that you're on with us on the Carolina Outdoors. Well, well, well thank you. And I'm, I'm just a small part, and, and we're all – we're all in this together. I just happen to be on, on this side of things, but as anglers and biologists, we're, we're working together and appreciate the, the information you share and, and giving me the opportunity to, to chat today. Well said. And off he goes, Jake Rash, and off we go, Wes Lawson and Bill Barty. But we're going to wrap this thing up called the Carolina Outdoors right after this.